Good morning, Bethel family. What a fantastic day. Can you believe it's May 21st already? Soon we'll be grilling up at night. You know that fresh smell of grass in the air? And in my area, the fresh smell of hay. Uh, it just kind of calms your soul. At least it calms mine. Or even just sitting by the lake and just hearing, you know, the water crash against the rocks. You don't get that in the winter. But we definitely get that in the spring and summer, and it's such a fantastic time. My name is Nate Palmatier. I am the director of NextGen here at Bethel, and I'm honored to be able to bring the Word of God to us today. Every time I do this, I just love, love, love it, love enjoying just sharing the Word. So Bethel family, we have been going through a series on Romans. And last week we went through, uh, Alan went through Romans 14 and just talked about the weak and the, and the strong. But there's been this theme throughout the whole time on how the Word of God transforms us, how Jesus can transform us, and then how we should not be conformed to the world. Transformed by God, not conformed to the world. And today's passage is going to be not any different than um, what we've covered before and just showing how Jesus can transform us and how we shouldn't be conformed to the world. But before we begin, if you're new here and this is your first time, make sure to fill out a connection card. Fill out the connection card, let us know who you are, where you're from, and even you can put in a prayer request in there. And if this is not your first time and you call Bethel home, these cards are there for you to communicate to us, to, to ask for prayer requests, or just even send words of encouragement or tell us what God has been doing in your life. Those are such encouraging words that we can uh, celebrate alongside one another. So if you get a chance, make sure to do that. So as you know or have learned today, I'm the director of NextGen. And you see in children's ministry and student ministry, whenever we're doing a lesson, there is this big picture that we try to point the students or the kids to. And while today's big picture is this, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So this is the big picture. This is the big envelope that's covering all of today's passage today. This right here is our message wrapped up in one sentence. And actually it comes right out of verse seven in chapter 15 of Romans. And when we walk out of here today, or you go over to Roy's uh, for lunch, or you have that meal that that person promised you for, for watching this or being here today, we really need to walk away with this. Each of us can all understand as followers of Jesus, we ought to accept one another, just as Jesus has accepted us. And all of this will bring praise to God. If we walk away with this, this will be a very profitable time for us. Today's message is mainly directed at believers and what it means to live as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple. We will see that glory is brought to the Lord, praise is brought to the Lord through a humble posture of building each other up, putting ourselves aside and modeling Jesus and being transformed. When Jesus transforms us, this will happen in our lives. As we let that permeate, as you guys think about that, about accepting one another just as Christ has accepted us, and that brings praise and glory to God, let's just pray before we get into today's word. 
Spirit of the living God, lead us today. Lead us today, Lord, to you. Help us to see in every word that you have proclaimed, every, every piece in the word of God that you have initiated, Spirit, that you would allow us to just get a glimpse of you. And Lord, would we walk away here different than we walked in? Would we walk away here different than when we first turned on our television or turned on our screen? Lord, I just pray that this would just be impactful for all of us, for me, Lord, and for the people that are listening. We lift this all up to you. In your name I pray, amen. So let's start by reading the passage today. If you have a Bible, go to Romans 15, verse 1 to 7, or if you have your phones or whatever device you're using, let's go over to Romans 15, uh, 1 to 7. And if you don't know where Romans is, it's right after. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And then right after Acts is Romans. So find that in the New Testament. And I'll begin. So we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. When we're reading the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, let's walk through how he crafted this. The first couple of verses show us what it means to accept one another. How do you do this? Well, we build each other up. We don't tear each other down. But who do we follow in order to get to this place? How are we transformed? Well, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus and see that Christ accepted us. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus put aside some pretty essential things. He is God. Yet he still modeled what it meant to be humble. He is all-powerful. Yet he took on the insults and bore our sins. He didn't please himself, and we shouldn't either as disciples of Jesus. And when we step into these two things, through the power of God, who produces encouragement and endurance in the toughest of times, in all things, may he give us the ability to be of one mind and one heart. And out of this, what happens? We see the world sees that it's not about us, but it's about someone else. It's about Jesus. It's not about what can I get out of this in every interaction. It's not about can this next transaction or interaction with another person help me or benefit me. But it's about him. It's about Jesus. And because it's not about us, you know what? God gets the glory. And this is all that Paul has laid out. On the other hand, if we do the exactly exact opposite of this, of what Paul is laying out here. 
what does it produce? If we please ourselves as a strong believer and make sure everyone knows, I am right and you're wrong. And then we tear other believers down. And maybe we even complain to our friends who are not followers of Christ and tell them how weak our brother or sister, how weak this other Christian is because they struggle with X, Y, and Z. What does that produce? Well, it sounds a lot like what happens in the world. It sounds a lot like what the world produces. It sounds like a person who's conformed to the world, not someone transformed by Jesus. And when you are conformed, you mirror exactly what society is doing, exactly what the culture is doing, even if it's completely against God. Survival of the fittest, tear others down so I can reach the top. This ought not to be the way that we walk as followers of Christ. And the world shouts, the world sees that, and the world shouts, why should I follow Jesus if this is what it produces? You know what? You're no different than me. I don't follow Jesus, but look at you. You skip church on Sunday all the time. You swear constantly, and you've been a believer for decades. You treat others just the way I've seen the worst of people treat others. And you know what? I know some people who aren't Christians who are way nicer than you. You complain and gossip about the very people you stand up and worship with on Sunday. And in fact, you're a bit worse because you call yourself righteous. Now, we must understand that even though the world sees that, if we act that way, this is not a call to perfection. But this should be a call to transformation. And transformation doesn't happen like that. It happens slowly. We ought to see ourselves change over time. Maybe not immediately, but if we call ourselves disciples, who make disciples, we ought to see transformation, not conformation to the world. And none of that, none of that, brothers and sisters, is honoring to God. When we're conformed to the world, that doesn't bring praise to God. And actually, it robs God of praise. That doesn't bring glory to God. It actually robs God of His glory. And it brings attention to me. It makes me feel better when I'm tearing others down. With all that being said, we're going to actually look at what it means to be built on Jesus and what Paul laid out here. What it means to accept one another as Christ has accepted us and how that brings praise to God. So let's look at our first point. Our first point is we ought to live out our faith for their good, to build them up. Let us read the first two verses. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. To build them up. The really big question here is, okay, Nate, how do I build others up? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. And Pastor Allen covered a big portion of this last week, what it means to be strong and the difference between the strong and the weak. I'm not really going to go there much today, as he did excellent work of just parsing that out. So if you haven't heard that sermon, make sure to check that out or, or go to the website and check out the podcast on Romans 14. But I want to share a short story with you. 
You see, back in 2018, my family and I had decided, you know what, I'm gonna finish up my courses. I had 14 courses left to do in my undergrad and our, our, ninth, our ninth child, Anila was, was going to be born and we prayed about it. We checked out our finances just to make sure that we would make, uh, we'd be able to do it. And uh, so we decided that, you know what, I'm going to take that 15 months off. I'm going to take that 15 months off. This is going to be so good. My wife was like so excited over this that we were going to be able to just spend so much time together as a family. So this is kind of the context I'm, I'm moving into. So me um, working alongside my wife and it just being such a good thing. So why do I say all this? Because while around March 5th, 2019, at 8.45 p.m. at Bethany Church in St. Catharines, you know, somewhere in that time frame, <laughs> I was playing pickup basketball. And I was out on the court, and a friend passed me the ball, and um, I grabbed the ball, and I went to shoot a three-pointer. Now, you see, I had been running all night. Now, at this point in time, I was 35 years old, and I was playing against Brock University kids, and they... Well, they weren't 35 years old. So I was just running hard all night. I got the ball at the three-point line. Um, I took a step. I went, to, I went to shoot it, and I felt a snap. And it felt like someone just nailed me in the back of the leg, in the back of my left leg. And I fell to the ground, just writhing in pain, and my leg was, like, pulsating. And I looked behind me. I'm like, who kicked me? Who kicked me? Everyone's like, Nate, no one kicked you. What's going on? So what had happened was I snapped my Achilles tendon. And so now my wife, who thought she was getting support from her husband, didn't have that support. And actually, I sat in a bed for three months, just um, incapacitated. You see, but during that time, I actually found this Facebook group. Um, it's the one group you don't want to join. Because you know how when you join groups, they ask all these questions like, oh, where do you live? And that kind of thing. Well, there's just one question. When did you snap your Achilles tendon? So what's the point of all this? This group was so helpful. This group was so helpful in my walk. Excuse the pun. There were people in there that had snapped their Achilles seven years before. And they were there coaching others that had just snapped. There were people in different, different steps in their journey. And they were being built up by others. They were being encouraged. They were walking. They were all in the same group. No one was, was saying, hey, why aren't you there yet? Why aren't you walking yet? Why aren't you jumping yet? No, everyone had their own journey. And, and, and some people, you know, after two weeks, they were weight-bearing. Some, it was like eight. So here's the point. to make a long story short, or a short story long, is that our community, followers of Jesus, when people look on the, on the, from the outside in, do they see us building one another up? Do they see us building fellow believers up? If I went into that Achilles tendon group, and the first thing people were like, oh, wow, great job, what'd you do? You're terrible. Can't even, like, what's wrong with your tendons? Can't keep them together? Like, 
That wouldn't have been a supportive group. It would have been terrible. No one would have been built up. Although this example that I'm giving you is not a situation between two believers. All the same, it's an example of where it could have been had the group been, you know, negative. And as followers of Jesus, our group, our church family, should emulate the same, especially for the weaker brother or sister. And you know what? When I came to Bethel, um, one of our leaders did the exact same thing shortly after I did. They snapped their Achilles tendon. And I was able to come alongside them and encourage them and actually direct them towards this group. Isn't that a beautiful thing? When you're part of something that's uplifting, that builds you up, and you can go to your friends, encourage them, and say, hey, why don't you come out? This is an amazing place. You see, as followers of Jesus, we're meant to build one another up, not tear one another down. And in verse 1, it says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For their good to build them up. Did you know that we are not all strong in everything? If we stand in a place as a strong believer and we look down on those that struggle in different areas than us and we don't help them, this is damaging to the body of Christ and does not bring honor to God, but brings glory to self. Don Wilkerson made a good point of this. If you know a certain practice offensive to someone else, don't rub it in their face in front of them. This brings strife and disunity. How can you apply this in your relationship with others in the body of Christ regarding other matters? If you have doubts about a certain activity, it probably means you shouldn't do it. And if someone else feels strongly about not doing certain activities, we'll refrain from doing that for their sake. It's important to consider the impact of our actions on others, even if we believe we are right. Sometimes it's better to refrain from doing something that may cause disunity or harm to another person, even if there's nothing inherently wrong with that action. Let us strive to be considerate and kind to our fellow believers and to prioritize unity and peace in our interactions with others. See, I, I worked on a dairy farm for a bit when I, was young, when I was a young believer. And the family I lived with, in particular, uh, was very particular about Sabbath. You see, we did chores on Sundays because it was a dairy farm. You have to milk the cows in the morning. You have to milk them in the afternoon. And the family distinctly told me, Nathan, on Sundays are Sabbath. We don't do extra chores. So uh, just do the bare minimum. You know, feed the calves, feed the cows. Uh, milk the cows. That's it. Don't do anything else. And you see, on the Saturday before, there was a dump wagon that I was greasing. I was just greasing some equipment up. And this dump wagon was still in the barnyard. And I saw it there. And I knew, I knew, that I wasn't supposed to do anything extra on Sunday. But you know what I did? I, I just disregarded that. And I went and I greased up the tractor. I greased up the wagon. And then I lowered the wagon and I backed it into the drive shed. I put the tractor over by the silos. I moved it, deciding to do that, knowing full well that my boss had told me, you know, we don't do this. And it was offensive to them to do that. 
And this wasn't a mistake in communication. This was me knowing full well, do not do more than necessary. Well, my boss, um, who's a fairly quiet guy and extremely friendly and caring to me, as we were going into the house, he said, Nathan, did you grease up the dump wagon and move it into the drive shed? I said, yeah, of course I did. Why? And John plainly said to me, firmly, you know it's Sunday, Nathan. Don't ever do that again on a Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And you see, I realized I had hurt him and offended him deeply. And this caused strife between us. Me being young and a bit arrogant, believer, thinking I didn't have a problem with it, so why should they? Standing back, thinking, what's wrong with this guy? But you know what? Looking back now, it, it actually hurts. It hurts my heart to think that I intentionally hurt another brother in Christ. And I did carelessly without building him up. That was not me building up a brother. In fact, that was me creating division with a brother. And not just by accident, but it was actually on purpose. Sure, I was a young believer and I can make up all kinds of excuses, but we ought to guard against this. Do not create strife. In that situation, it wasn't honoring to the Lord. For their good, build them up. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you who call on Lord Jesus as King, I have a question. I have a question for you. Where in your life have you stepped into a place and caused division, caused strife, and instead of building another up, you've actually seen the relationship break down? I stand here, or sit here, and I urge you, brother and sister, seek reconciliation in that. Even if you think you're right, even if you think that, you know what, I was in the right. Not to please ourselves. We who are strong ought to bear. Be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. Before I move on, I want to touch on one last area of this. Have you ever heard walk the walk or talk the talk? Of course you have, it's super cliche. Well, when we are followers of Christ, we ought to do just that. And there is a particular area that we can see this being really damaging. And that's for those that are new believers. When there's new believers, they're very observant. I remember being a new believer and being very observant of those around me. Verse two says, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. As strong believers, those that have experienced and been disciples of Christ for some time, it is by our example of faith, our example of love, our example of God in us, that those who come to Christ, our new believers, perceive the person of God. We are ambassadors of God. We represent. We are under shepherds. We represent the Lord, represent the King, we are but vessels, yes. And I'm not advocating that we're little gods or that we are God at all. But in that, we ought to come alongside new believers, support them, care for them while they're on their new journey with Jesus. This could mean if you see a new believer, ask a question or unsure about something that you 
patiently walk through it with them. Not assume and question, why are they asking such things? Why don't they get this? Or something along those lines. But it's about calling attention to Jesus and the amazing work that he could do. There are areas in my life that I may be strong. (coughs) And you might be weak in. But there are also areas where I may be weak and you're strong in them. Not one person has this all together. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. There is only one person that did have it all together, and that was Jesus. See, we ought to live out our faith for their good, to build them up. Jesus modeled this posture, and we can see that clearly through Scripture in the next verse. Look over at verse 3 in Romans 15. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Our second point is we ought to live out our faith following the example of Jesus who did not please himself. We're to follow Jesus. We're to build each other up. We're to follow Jesus. When we're reading the first two verses and then we read this verse, there is one word. That keeps coming up. comes up again and again. And it's this. Please. In verse 1, it says, not to please ourselves. In verse 2, it says, let each of us please his neighbor. And then Jesus, in verse 3, it says, for Christ did not please himself. This word please in Greek is a resco, a resco, meaning to accommodate, to be agreeable. This idea of exciting emotion. So it's this twofold word. On one hand, it means to be agreeable, and on the other hand, those things, it means those things that excite emotion. We look to this word in areas of disagreement, where you can please your neighbor and not fight with them over maybe playing sports on Sunday or where they send their children to school. These things, yes, are important to us. And some of, some of us have very strong convictions in them. And you should. But when, what Jesus did for you was not trivial. It was not about what meat you're eating or sports on Sunday. Christ did not please himself. Christ did not run in the opposite direction, even though he knew exactly what was going to happen. Even though he knew Judas would turn on him. And in Scripture, in Matthew 26, 51 to 53, it says this, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him, was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. And shortly after that, and shortly after, with that, Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword in its place. Do you not think that I could call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus did not please himself. Jesus did not call on all the legions of angels to stop himself from going to the cross. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Jesus walked with his accuser and knew who he was. Why don't the scriptures say then Jesus made a run for it as soon as he saw Judas? He knew what was going to happen. 
because even Christ did not please himself. Jesus lived a perfect life and laid down that life. Paul writes in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, the most humiliating ways or way to die. Loved one, Jesus died so that you may live. Jesus set aside every right and every advantage he had for you and for me. That we could live in a relationship with God. He did this because we couldn't. For even Christ didn't please himself. For even Christ did not please himself. Can we all just take that in for a moment? Can we all just reflect on that for like a few seconds? Jesus died for you. This is the gospel. This is the good news that God made a way to bring us back to a place of right relationship. God made it possible that we could go to heaven, that we could spend eternity with him instead of eternity apart from him in hell. This is a beautiful picture of love and mercy and grace just being poured out on our lives. As I was writing this, I just thought of just this prayer. Holy Spirit, we come before you with humility, seeking your presence in this moment. Our hearts are open to your touch, and we ask that you would draw those who do not yet know you closer to your loving grace. Lord Jesus, we long for a fresh revelation of your power, your grace and sufficiency in our lives. We offer you our love and devotion, acknowledging that we need you more than ever. Thank you for hearing our prayers. As we move on, Romans 15, 4-7 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Douglas Moo said in his commentary on Romans, he wrote this, If Christ, powerful as he was, could give up his own right to life itself, these strong believers should certainly be able to give up their right to eat meat, whether they want to drink wine or whether they want to ignore Jewish holidays. Christ gave up everything for you and I. Can we not, as strong believers, give up a few trivial things? Can we not hold back and decide that we are right and we're going to tell everyone? Can we not take the higher ground and decide today, I'm not going to prove that I'm right today. Can we not see and reflect what Jesus had done and come to a place where we can humbly care for those around us? May we stand or sit in a place and attitude of encouraging one another, just as Christ has encouraged us. 
May we stand in a place where we endure with one another, just as Christ endured with us. Let us, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, let us stand in a position of strength in Jesus, not strength in ourselves. Let us stand in unity, transformed, not conformed, transformed by the living God, transformed to the same mind and attitude towards one another, just as Jesus had. And so we know what Christ did. We understand and can see through Scripture that even here in Romans, Paul's declaration about Christ is not something that just happened here, but it's seen throughout all Scripture. Jesus humbled himself over and over and over again, washing his disciples' feet, the case with Judas, going to the cross. And the few examples that I gave pale in comparison to all that Jesus has done. Jesus did not please himself, but he set himself aside for you. This honored the Father and gave glory to God. Our lives should not be any different. When we live for other believers and please them instead of us, for their good and to build them up, we honor the Lord. When we don't, we don't honor the Lord. When we model Jesus to other believers, we point them to the gospel. When we don't, well, we don't point them to the gospel. And when we model building others up, becoming more like Jesus, and following him, we bring glory and praise to God. So we ought to live out our faith for their good, to build them up. We ought to live out our faith following the example of Jesus who did not please himself. And we ought to live out our faith in one mind towards each other so that we may bring praise and glory to God. That's what it's all about. It's about bringing praise and glory to God, not us. Romans 15, 6 and 7 says this. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. When as believers, we show acceptance to one another as Christ has accepted us, did you realize that this is radically different from the world? Did you know division and dissent run amok everywhere? Did you know people have different opinions on a wide range of topics and display those different opinions all over the internet? Did you know that? Did you know that looking from the outside, if we see two people arguing, if we see two people just cutting each other down, slamming each other, telling others that they're not real Christians because they don't do A, B, or C, did you know that witness tells others that we don't even get along as Christians? We can't even get along with one another. Did you know that? Did you know that that's what that witness is? Now, this all seems very obvious, but when we don't bear with one another, when we don't model Jesus, when we are in the position of wanting to honor, when we are not in the position, sorry, of wanting to honor and glorify the Father, we become glory robbers. We get the glory. Ah, I'm right. 
See that guy? Well, that's your brother in Christ. Why would you treat him like that? You know, who sees that? Who sees, who sees those interactions going on? Everyone. Everyone. And the witness that we scream from the rooftop when we don't model Jesus, when we don't build one another up, is I am better than you. I know more than you. And I'm right. Instead of what Jesus modeled. Do you see humility in that? Do you see love in that? Do you see compassion in that? Understanding? Or a rascal? Accommodation? You see, loved ones, when we get to a place where we understand what Jesus has done for us, when we understand that he has accepted me, he accepted me when I thought I was worthless. He accepted me when I thought I could never be loved. He accepted me and cared for me when everyone else walked away. And he did this, even though I was an arsonist, even though I was a liar, even though I was a cheater, even though I was a thief, even though I was angry and I could go on and on and on. But ultimately, loved ones, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Jesus stepped into that gap and accepted me. And he's accepted you. And he stepped into the gap for you. And for those, this message is ultimately for, for those, the believers that are saved by grace, not by work, so you cannot boast. Listen, listen closely. Some of the best people to talk to are the ones that have gone through it. Some of the best listeners are those that have walked through crippling pain. Those that know what it means to live in a broken home. Those that know what it means to live in crippling addiction to alcohol. And why? Because they know. Because they've walked the walk. And so just as Christ has accepted you, you know. You know what it means to be accepted by Jesus. The only thing this can do is bring you to your knees and bring glory to the Father. If Jesus has accepted you and you are a believer and follower of Jesus, we should see this in your life. Because you know what it means to be accepted by Jesus. And Jesus put aside a lot more than we will ever have to put aside to accept a brother or sister to build up a brother or sister in Christ. So build one another up. Model what Jesus has done. And in this, you will bring glory to the Father. You will bring praise to God. When the world sees you step down from your throne, when the world sees you step down from being right all the time, and sees you kneel down beside another believer and accept them just as Christ has accepted you, you are, I am, we're witnessing to what God is doing in our lives. But even more, your life is a witness to who Jesus is. Because you know what? He's different. Jesus turns the tables on everything. Those looking in now say, instead of saying, oh, look at those Christians fighting again. Instead, it sounds more like, what's different about them? There's something different about this guy. There's something different about this girl, this woman. What is it? That's your witness. They start asking, I wonder why they act that way. 
and they start looking in closer. And maybe they see a conversation between two guys and they think, you know what, I know Jim and he absolutely doesn't believe what Tom just said. But look how he's treating him. Look how he's interacting with him. This is so different from what I'm used to. You realize you're being a witness? You're being a witness by your Facebook posts. You're being a witness by how you act in McDonald's. You're being a witness by how you walk. You're being a witness by how you talk. You're being a witness by building others up. You're being a witness by modeling Jesus. You're being a witness by praising the Lord. You are a witness, an ambassador of Christ. Let us not try to get up on the throne. Let us build others up. Instead of being at odds with one another, and from the outside looking in, looking like, you know what? They're just conformed to the world. Instead of that, you're of one mind, one heart. This brings glory to God, not glory to you, not glory to me. We ought to live out our faith for their good, to build them up. We ought to live out our faith following the example of Jesus who did not please himself. We ought to live out our faith in one mind toward each other so that we may bring play, praise and glory to God. Accept one another that just as Jesus has accepted you will bring praise and glory to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your inspiration in scripture. Thank you so much for inspiring Paul to write this letter, for us to walk through what it means to build one another up, what it means to model Jesus, and what Jesus has done for us, Lord. God, help us. We need help in this. We can't do this on our own. We cannot, Lord. Please move. Move amongst us. Lord, allow us to see you work. Allow us to see you work in our lives, in the lives of those around us. Change us, Lord. Transform us. Transform us from who we are today to who you want us to be, Lord. We love you so much. And we lift all of this, we lift all of these things up to you. Amen.